guys, Hyrulean here, and welcome to the Switched Podcast with me, Hyrulean. Uh, this first episode of the podcast is being completely filmed in my car uh, while I'm commuting to school. I thought that it would be interesting to uh, maybe not film every episode in the car, but film this one at least, because I literally have about an hour drive uh an hour there and an hour back to school every single day so uh that's a pretty good podcast amount of time to record a podcast this is already a disaster anyway so this week uh i figured i would talk about some of my uh opinions on game of the year 2019 uh as well as talk about some other games i've been playing recently that might not have necessarily technically came out in 2019 um, but came out recently or in 2018, but I only got around to playing in 2019. So, without further ado, let's hop right into it. So I wanted to start off this uh, Game of the Year segment uh, by saying that 2019 was the year that I got into virtual reality. Um, in 2019, I... It might have been late 2018 or it might have been early 2019. At some point that mostly encapsulated 2019, I got big into virtual reality. Um, I found out my computer was actually capable of running virtual reality despite what the benchmarks said. Uh, And I, I got really big into virtual reality. So this segment I wanted to discuss what I thought some of the best virtual reality games that I played were. Um, So if I had to pick a couple that stood out to me, I would probably start off with... uh, I'll I'll start with like a casual one, uh, a semi-casual one, and then a really intensive one that I don't recommend unless if you're uh, a veteran VR player. But the best casual VR game that I played this last year in 2019 was probably Beat Saber. Um, Up until Beat Saber... uh, I would probably consider, like, you know, uh, Job Simulator or one of those similar kind of games as probably the best entry-level VR game to introduce people to VR, but now Beat Saber is by far the best game to use to introduce people to VR. It's just so, like, the concept is so simple. You're just, you know, you're just slicing these notes and, uh, you're slicing them to the beat of a song and it's it's really colorful and really high pace and not a lot of like moving around or anything so it's a really good introduction to vr uh if you're thinking about dipping your feet in virtual reality i would highly recommend beat saber as the first game that you get and you download um but yeah beat saber is an excellent game um a little more intense of a game I would say uh, is Blade and Sorcery Um, Blade and Sorcery is still in early access so technically it's not even released yet but I first played it in 2019 so it's a 2019 original release for me Uh, and basically Blade and Sorcery is the game that I wish I would have seen first for VR Now, don't get me wrong, if you're prone to motion sickness, you probably don't want to play this game. It it only has one one movement option, and I don't know if you know this or not, but in VR, there's like a couple different common movement motions. 
Uh, the most common one and the most comfortable one is teleportation. So you just point your VR wand uh, at a spot and like a little thing comes out of it and it shows you where you're going to teleport. Uh, teleportation is by far the most, um, the least nauseating, the most comfortable way to navigate in VR. Uh, but then there's also like sliding where your field of view can like shrink in and uh, and you just slowly slide forward um, in whatever direction you point when you press a button. Uh, and that one's like somewhat uh, somewhat comfortable. It's not quite as comfortable as teleporting because you're still moving. Your whole world's moving around you without you actually moving in real life. So it's still a little discomforting. Um, but it's not as discomforting as direct movement, uh, which is what Blade and Sorcery and Boneworks have. And basically, direct movement uh, is when you push the control stick forward on your VR wand you just move forward in the game. Like, your character's legs start moving, you start walking in the game, um, and the whole world starts shifting around you as your character walks forward, regardless if you're moving your legs or not. Uh, and Blade and Sorcery is an example of one game that uses that direct movement. Uh, now, it kind of needs to have that direct movement because if you could teleport, it would make the game so much easier, and it would make all of the realism that they try to implement into this game so much less important because if you could just teleport around it'd just be like oh whatever you know um they'll probably add some sort of teleporting to the game eventually some sort of comfort option to make the game a little more accessible to uh starting vr players um but basically in blade and sorcery you it's like a wave, I guess you could call it a wave fighter. It's like a sword fighting simulator, more or less. A fantasy sword fighting simulator. And uh, when you start out the game, you uh, get to basically, there's this book, and you can pick whatever weapons you want. There's anything from like swords, to hammers, to spears, to bows. All of like the medieval weapons you could ever want are in the game right from the start and I guess the next update is going to add a lot of magic stuff but right now there's already lightning magic which is pretty cool um but there's quite a bit of content already in the game and basically then you go to this other book and you decide if you want to fight like what uh difficulty of enemies you want to fight and that affects like their health and how smart their AI is and stuff like that and then these enemies spawn in these doors and they come out of the doors and enter into this arena you're in and they start fighting you um and you basically have to sword fight them and the swords like they do this thing where uh in normal vr like traditional vr games your body kind of has like no physics to it and you can just kind of teleport and uh clip through things and stuff like that well this game pioneered the whole idea that like you your body actually has physics so you see like your body below you you see your arms uh and everything that is a part of you and the whole world itself has physics um so basically you can't just swing your sword and it'll go through someone like if you've ever played or seen somebody play skyrim in vr uh that game does not have body physics or weapon physics so you can literally just like swipe 
your sword back and forth really fast and keep hitting people. This is not like that at all. Uh, when you swing your sword um, and it hits something, the sword stops. Your arm can keep moving because there's nothing to restrict your arm from moving still. Uh, but your sword straight up stops. And it turns out that that's actually enough um, to make your your body think that it should it should stop moving. So most of the time when I'm playing this game and I, I'm fully immersed and I swing my sword and it hits somebody's side and it stops at their side, even though my arm starts keeps moving for a little bit after I hit their uh, hit their body with the sword, it eventually stops because I see my virtual arm stop moving when it hits the side of their body with the sword. So that makes my brain say like, okay, stop moving. Like it takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you do, like it feels like your, your arm just kind of naturally stops when it should stop, which is insane. So, uh, Blade and Sorcery, very excellent game. And one other thing about it, it actually has a full Star Wars uh, conversion mod. It's not like, it doesn't completely change the game yet, but I guess that's the end goal. Uh, and you can get like lightsabers, and you can uh, fight people with lightsabers, and uh, and blasters, and all that stuff. And they ported the Moss Eisley map from the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 over to Blade and Sorcery. So you can go around with a lightsaber and fight people with a lightsaber, and it is the greatest thing ever. I swear. The lightsabers, they seem so realistic, and you can, like, straight up cut people with them and, like, cut off limbs and cut off hands, uh, and you just, you feel like a badass when you're doing it. The game truly makes you feel like a badass, and there's, like, mods already for the Outer Rim mod, uh, that make, like, the lightsabers less overpowered or more overpowered, and you can basically fully customize the mod using, uh other mods, which is pretty cool. But yeah, Blade and Sorcery is an excellent VR game. Um, and then the even more intense, uh, probably the most intense VR game I have ever played, uh, technically came out December 10th, 2019. So it can be my game of the year for VR in 2019. So, uh, the one that I like the most, the one that's also the most intensive is Boneworks. And I typed a full uh, a full text review of this game on my me and my friend's private Discord channel. Um, but I'll, I'll maybe I'll find a way to link to it in the description of this podcast or something. But I'm basically going to cover it all here. So uh, Boneworks is basically a spiritual successor uh, to Half Life. It feels like you're playing a Half Life game. Which is interesting because in March, uh, Half-Life Alex comes out and it's a VR exclusive. So I'll be curious to see if Half-Life Alex feels a lot like Boneworks. I imagine it will, um, but we'll have to see. But in Boneworks, you basically play as this guy uh, named Ford. That's his last name, but everybody just calls him Ford. Um, and Ford is like an actual person and this game's like equivalent to real life. And he works for this company called Monogon. Uh, and he has to... He enters into this VR uh, operating system that they're working on called MythOS. 
uh, and he finds that none of his coworkers are actually logged in, um, which is interesting. Um, and what normally is supposed to be a populated uh, virtual city called MythOS City uh, is completely empty, and none of the people are there, and none of your coworkers are in the game. So, yeah, this is immediately weird. And you find out through some uh, through some conveniently placed monitors, and you get like a Skype call from one of your coworkers on the monitor, and they're like, "Hey, how are you still in the game? The whole game is supposed to be shut down. There's a glitch." And you find out that there's like this glitch affecting the VR game, and uh, it's basically locked everyone out of it, and they need to reboot it. But the only way to reboot it is from the inside of the game. So you're the only one who can reboot it. And, uh, and that's about all I'll tell you about the story for now, because I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but the game, similarly to Blade and Sorcery, has fully realized physics. So, you know, your arms can't go through walls. When you hit things with your arm, they your, your arms stop in the game. Uh... But Boneworks, since it's a sci-fi setting versus a medieval setting, is mainly focused around guns. There are quite a bit of melee weapons, don't get me wrong, like crowbars and lead pipes and all sorts of stuff like that. Baseball bats, axes. Um, but the main selling point of Boneworks is the guns. And... I tell you what, the guns feel so good in that game. You have to like fully load every gun by like taking a mag off your uh, off your belt and pulling out the old mag and putting in the new mag and then uh, actually loading the gun like you'd load a real gun. Now, see, unlike a game like uh, there's this game called Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades or H3 VR is what they call it. That game is a a weapon simulator game, so you have to like turn off the safety and you can switch between automatic and burst and like you have to properly completely reload uh, exactly as you would in real life and it's all these real life weapons. Uh, Boneworks is somewhere in between dead simple like just press a button and it reloads and that super realistic uh h3 vr feel so you kind of have to reload them realistically but it's fast and it still feels somewhat arcadey and it makes it a little more fun and easy to do like i have trouble loading the guns in h3 vr sometimes and i uh will accidentally not like i'll forget to turn the safety off or something like that and then i won't be able to fire the gun so uh boneworks thankfully is very forgiving and you if you want to ignore the whole reloading system you basically can the only part that's required is taking the magazine from your belt and putting it into the gun Um, but if you just press the trigger a couple of times it'll load the bullet into the chamber and turn off the safety for you automatically and it'll just the gun will be ready to go in like three clicks um but otherwise the gunplay feels so great in that game i can't i can't even really describe it it's just like it feels so natural and there's so much interact interactiveness in the game and so many secrets to find and the story is so great uh and i could go on and on for hours on boneworks itself um but i'll probably save that for now i just want I just want to say you should probably just go into Boneworks blind. If you're remotely interested in VR, 
and you have a bit of an iron stomach, you can handle some some motion sickness because Boneworks was one of the first VR games that I've played in a long time that actually gave me motion sickness. Um, then go ahead and give Boneworks a try. Um, just be weary and you know take breaks and don't throw up. When I was working on getting my VR legs and becoming comfortable in these kind of more intensive virtual reality games, uh, the thing that I did that I recommend to anybody trying to get better at uh, being able to withstand VR is on the games where there is direct movement with a control stick. When you push forward, just sort of walk in place and walk in place to the same motion as your character's legs. Uh, that works especially well in Blade and Sorcery and Boneworks. Um, otherwise, you can download this program called Natural Locomotion. Um, it's like $10, $15, and it works for virtually any virtual reality game. And it basically replaces the whole pushing forward on the control stick action by you swinging your arms. So you can get into the motion of being more apt to play VR games that are intense by buying this program called Natural Locomotion. Uh, again, not sponsored. I mean, I didn't say it before, but it's not. I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but it's genuinely seems like it's a pretty good program to get you into the more intensive VR games. But yeah, and once you download Natural Locomotion, it works for. It has pre-made profiles for a bunch of games. But you can basically set it up to work with any game. And whenever you swing your arms and walk in place, your character will move forward in the game. So it makes it a little more accessible, I guess you could say. But uh, I guess Boneworks has uh, plans to be updated with more comfort options eventually. So that might be something to look out for as well. But yeah, those are my like top three VR games of the year. Um, 2019, that is. I know not all of them, I don't think, came out in 2019 exclusively. Uh, but 2019 was the first year where I played all three of them, so I thought I would share them on this particular episode. But yeah, that's VR. Now let's talk about the Nintendo Switch next. Um, 2019 for the Nintendo Switch was pretty quiet. Uh, I was really excited for Animal Crossing, but of course, uh, that, in, that did not end up happening, and Animal Crossing is now releasing March 20th of this year. Um, however, <clears throat> there were still a couple decent games that actually came out for the Switch. Uh, one of those that I've recently started playing, but I'm probably about only 25% through, is Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, so, if you don't know the Luigi's Mansion series, it started out on the GameCube, uh, and there's a, apparently a really bad remake of the GameCube one that's available for the 3DS, um, but the GameCube game was one of my childhood favorites, and I've beat it probably three times, four times now, um, one time I just sat down and beat the whole game in one day, and honestly... It was pretty great, and I just, I really like that game. Uh, and then the second game is uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and it's on the 3DS. And I tried to get into that one as well, um, but that game just didn't grip me as hard as Luigi's Mansion, th uh, the first one did. And 
uh, I don't know what it was about it. It was just, it seemed to lack that sort of, like, charm that Luigi's Mansion 1 had for me. Um, but honestly, I don't know. Dark Moon, I could probably play more of it to get a better opinion. But I didn't really like what little bit I played of it. Uh, so anyway, Luigi's Mansion 3. It came out October 31st of 2019. Um, and I gotta say, I'm liking it a lot. Uh, the music is excellent. It's got this like subtle like light jazz tone to it. And it's it's honestly really... It sounds so nice. And the music is so good. I pull up the soundtrack occasionally... Uh, because I just want to listen to the soundtrack because it's that good. Um, and then the actual art style of the game is phenomenal. They pinned down like the the look of the hotel and the the animation so perfectly. Like Luigi's animations are so smooth and natural, and um, all all of the animation is just top notch. It seriously it looks like you're watching an animated feature length film but you're playing a game. The animations are so smooth. And, uh, the controls, they, they did a little bit of tweaking to the classic Luigi's Mansion controls, uh, to make them a little more approachable, I guess. And the main way they did that is you still have to, like, flash your flashlight at the ghosts, but instead of, like, turning it on and off, you have to charge, charge it up, and the higher you charge it, uh, the longer it stuns the enemies, and then you start vacuuming them. Um, and then in addition to that, they also made it so once you start sucking the enemies up, you can do, like, a, a bash attack. So you, like, suck them up and you, th like, fling them in one direction and bash them against the ground and do it, like, back and forth, just bashing them over and over and over again until their health reaches zero and then they get sucked into the vacuum cleaner and it's fucking sick I love the move so much you can literally just like bash one ghost into a crowd of other ghosts and it does a little bit of damage to all the other ghosts in the crowd and slowly just chips away at the health of the main ghost that you're trying to suck up and the whole system works really well and it actually makes the, the capturing aspect really fun um, in addition to that, they also gave, like, some ghosts, like, sunglasses. So you have to suck up the sunglasses before you flash them with the flashlight, because otherwise the flashlight won't bother them. And then there's even a couple where, like, they'll, they'll block, uh, they'll block their face with something. Like, I'm trying to think. A good example would be, like, I don't know if this is actually in the game or not, because I don't know if I'm far enough to see this or not, but... An example would be, like, there could be a ghost that has a shield or something, and it holds the shield in front of itself, and you have to shoot a suction cup, like a toilet plunger uh, suction cup at it with a rope attached to the end, and then suck up the rope, and then pull the rope off of it. And that is so cool, and, like, I just love, I just love the capturing so much. It's so much fun compared to the first game even. The first game was a little bit tedious. The second one was like, I don't even know. The second one was just kind of eh. But this one feels like they finally perfected that ghost capturing. Um, and it really just feels nice. And then there's a bit of light pu puzzle solving. Nothing too difficult. Um, 
but really enjoyable nonetheless. And you basically have... Uh, here's a quick spoiler. Like, skip a minute ahead if you don't want to hear the quick spoiler. But at one point in the game, you unlock uh, Gooigi, who can either be a second player... Or you can just, like, summon him whenever you want. He comes out of your vacuum cleaner, and it's just a gooey version of Luigi. And he has all the same abilities as regular Luigi does, as well as he's able to go through, like, uh, he's able to go through, like, grates and vents and stuff like that. Um, And his only weakness is he can't touch water. If he touches water, he, like, he dies and you have to resummon him. But otherwise, he can, like, go through vents and stuff, and that adds a lot to, like, the puzzle-solving aspect, and it's super cool. Um, and the story's pretty good, too. It's a pretty, like, bog-standard Luigi's Mansion story, um, but otherwise, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, so I definitely recommend giving Luigi's Mansion 3 a look, if you haven't already. Um, but what else? Mario Maker 2. Mario Maker 2 came out. Uh, during the summer. Very, very great game. A little bit more than a port. Um, I, I was expecting them to just straight up port Mario Maker 1 and then update it uh, with new features. But And that's basically what they did, but they just slapped a 2 on it. But honestly, that's not a bad thing at all. The game just feels so solid. The only thing that I miss from Mario Maker 1... Uh, that is not in Mario Maker 2 is the costumes. They did bandage that a little bit by adding, like, Link as a power-up, so you can turn into Link via a power-up, and it's like a Master Sword power-up that you collect, and then you become Link, and you get to, like, fire a bow and arrow and, like, do his little dash attack or do his little charge attack. Um, But otherwise, the other costumes are just nowhere to be found. Like, you can't turn into really anything other than Mario, Luigi, one of the Toads, um, or Link via a power-up, so. Unfortunately, the, the options for making themed levels are a little more limited. Sure, you can still make, like, a Pac-Man themed level, but you can't turn Mario into Pac-Man or anything like that, and then have him play the level as Pac-Man. You have to just be Mario, so that's like the the main downside. Otherwise, um, in terms of the content, there's new levels coming out every freaking every day, and they're really good and they're really fun. <clears throat> and the really one, the ones that I've gotten into big time are like the 20 second levels, where you basically have to not stop moving and just keep moving right across the screen, and uh, and complete the level. And there's, like, usually some pretty tricky jumps and stuff like that. And you just don't stop moving. It's like an infinite runner. It's like what Mario what Mario Run should have been. Because it's like an actual Mario game, but you can't stop running. Otherwise, you're going to lose. And they're genuinely really fun levels. Fun and approachable to the point where... I even got my girlfriend into Mario Maker 2, and uh, collectively the two of us have already gotten 140 140 hours in the game. So that's pretty awesome. But yeah, despite Animal Crossing getting delayed, uh, a lot of good characters were added to Smash Brothers. 
there was a couple bigger games like Mario Maker, Luigi's Mansion 3, Pokemon, if that's your thing. Unfortunately, the new Pokemon is not really my thing. Uh, but 2019 wasn't too bad, after all, for the Switch. I, it seemed like it was just going to be a shit year. It's nowhere near as good as this year is going to be. Well, with Animal Crossing coming up in March and God knows what for the rest of the year, but... Um, <clears throat> 2019 was not too bad for Nintendo Switch. And I completely forgot about it too until just now, but Fire Emblem Three Houses came out last year. Fire Emblem Three Houses is so much fun. Like, I haven't played any of the modern Fire Emblem games, but Fire Emblem Three Houses has been a blast so far. Uh, and now, uh, just recently, within the last couple of weeks, Byleth was added to Smash Brothers, and... Honestly, I'm really glad that game got representation in Smash, even though there's the stereotype and about there being way too many Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers, which I partially agree with. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is a really excellent game, and if you're a big fan of like JRPG strategy RPGs and you haven't played a Fire Emblem game in a while, you should definitely check out Three Houses. Uh, Three Houses is something else. I tell you what, like you can have tea parties. You can make friends. It's like living uh, the life I want to live, but I don't actually have to do it. It's pretty great. And the battles are pretty fun, too. Like, the, they have this thing now. I'm trying to remember what they call it. Basically, uh, each unit can have an army attached to them. Uh, what do they call it? Shoot. They don't call it, like, cavalry. They call it something like cavalry, though. So, like, you can have a unit... Uh, like Baelith for instance the the main character in the game she can have one maybe they call them garrisons I don't exactly remember um, but they can attack instead of attacking directly they can attack with their garrison and do like a charge attack and it can sometimes hit multiple enemies or it can like jump over one enemy and attack an enemy behind and like it's so cool and it's a really neat little feature and I'm, like, barely into Fire Emblem Three Houses. I probably have 30 hours into Fire Emblem Three Houses, so I haven't had the big plot twist yet that I know is coming because people have said there's a big plot twist in the game. I haven't even broken the surface on that game yet. I really need to start bringing my Switch uh, to class with me and in between classes, like, start, you know, grinding that Fire Emblem because that game is so fun, and the music is really, like, upbeat and exciting, and the battles are just so enjoyable. And I live-streamed a little bit of that game, and I loved live-streaming it. So, yeah, I can't forget Fire Emblem Three Houses. So make sure, if you're looking for a fun game to play that you completely missed last year, Fire Emblem Three Houses, give it a look. And I'm starting to run out of time for this uh, Game of the Year, Games of the Year, Game Recommendations from 2019 segment. Uh, but one thing I wanted to mention... Uh, is one of the most influential games of 2019 is one that didn't even come out in 2019. It's one that originally came out in 2011 um, or in beta in 2009. And of course, if you know anything about the game, you probably know what game I'm talking about. It's Minecraft. That's right, Minecraft. Whether you blame its rise in, re-rise in popularity, I should say. It's, it already had its rise, but this is the re-rise of popularity. Whether you blame it on, uh, like, PewDiePie 
or the SMP Live uh, Twitch streamers or the SMP Earth Twitch streamers or any number of different YouTubers. I think what we can all agree on is it's nice to see Minecraft in the limelight again. Uh, Fortnite has been fighting in this vicious battle for relevancy recently, and they've been trying all this stuff like the Black Hole event and then Season 2, or Chapter 2, Season 1, or whatever the heck they call it. They've been fighting so hard to keep Fortnite relevant. And... Meanwhile, Minecraft has just been sitting in the background, um, slowly working on a couple updates here and there, and it just goes to show, Fortnite updates, like, every other friggin' week, it seems like, but Minecraft updates once every month, once every couple of months, and it, it, updates don't matter. (coughs) Updates don't matter as much, I should say. Updates do matter, and keeping the game going does matter, but... Uh, Mojang was just off in the background, slowly working on a couple updates for Minecraft, keeping it going, and the community did the rest. And last year, in 2019, Minecraft reached its highest popularity in so many years, and it's excellent. And I love the game so much, and I've put so many hours into Minecraft, exploring and building and all that jazz, and it just makes me really happy to see it getting the credit it deserves yet again. Um, And it just goes to show how timeless it is. So, if you've never played Minecraft, somehow, I mean, like, I don't know how you could be a human being with a pulse on the planet Earth and not have played Minecraft. Um, It's available on everything from Windows to Mac to Linux to Android, iPhone, VR headsets. All the consoles have it, and they're all up-to-date, and they all have cross-platform play now, so that's pretty excellent. You can play with... If if you had three friends, and one had a Switch, one had a PS4, one had an Xbox, they could all play Minecraft together now. That's, like, how amazing this game is, you know? But enough enough jerking Minecraft's dick. Enough jerking Steve's block, block cock. Um, Minecraft, very influential very important and very important in 2019 but yeah that's that all right folks and welcome to another segment uh this segment is a little bit different than the rest of the podcast i like to call this segment hyrulean wins the bread um and basically Uh, I want to use this segment as a way to share some stories from my experiences working retail. Um, So yeah, if you were unaware, I am a retail worker. I can't tell you at what store or where or anything like that, obviously. So keep in mind, any stories that I tell on here will have to be made purposefully obscure. And uh, any references to real-life events may or may not be true wink wink they're actually true or are they uh they're actually true um and basically to cover my ass all of these may just be completely fake all of these locations may just be completely made up uh and i can't tell you where i actually work or what i actually do because that would probably get me in trouble so with that out of the way today we're going to talk about middle school Now, I'm not going to go back and, like, sit here and ramble on about, like, uh, 
my time in middle school where, you know, I was listening to Tobuscus and playing Minecraft and, uh, well, now that I think about it, that's basically what I'm doing now. Watching anime, having middle school crushes. I've got some good stories about middle school. Maybe I'll make an episode about middle school. That'd be kind of fun. Um, but anyway, this story isn't actually about middle school itself. It's about middle schoolers. So tonight, uh, I'm actually recording this in my car as per the usual for this first episode here and probably the majority of all episodes. Um, Right after I have gotten off a late shift at work, it is currently 11.45 p.m. Um, And I gotta say, I've worked for this particular company in this particular retail position for probably almost going on four years now. There was a couple, there was a little bit of time there where I took a break when I was trying to do other things with my life, but in general, I have worked for this company for four years. And along with that, I have seen tons and tons and tons of crazy things. Um, I've had people doped up on LSD come and talk to me before and act all crazy. I've had people uh, masturbate in the bathroom while I was using the restroom and all sorts of crazy shit. Like, all sorts of crazy shit. You run into some real crazy people when you're working in retail. Um, But today we're going to talk about a group of middle schoolers. So, in the particular location that my retail store is located, the one that I may or may not work at, um, there is a school nearby. And this school on this particular day today for me, uh, this day for whoever's listening to this, um, was having a school dance. Therefore, our particular retail store was very busy with lots of parents coming in after dropping their kids off and lots of people wanting like food and things and all sorts of stuff. Um, but anyway, so this particular dance is for all age groups in this school so the middle school group of kids basically get to go there from like 6 p.m to 10 p.m that's like their general time frame i might be a little off with that i didn't really look into it i'm just basing it off of uh the information that the the information that i got for when i experienced those dances when i was in high school but this is as far as i know the actual truth i've talked to some people who are actually still at the school And they say that this is still the case. But anyway, so the middle schoolers uh, dance officially ends at 10 p.m. And, of course, most people don't stay till the very end of the dance. Unless if you're really cool like I am. uh, And your mom forgets to wake up when she set an alarm and forgets to come pick you up. So you got to keep trying to call her until she eventually wakes up and then comes and picks you up. So you stay after the dance and, uh, and help clean up because your mom won't wake up to come pick you up. Um, unrelated, I assure you, definitely not my story. Uh, but yeah, so most people don't stay at the dance for the entire dance. Most people leave before the dance has even ended. So anyway, uh, there's this group of middle school-aged boys 
they're probably 7th grade, 8th grade at the most. Um, and they all enter into my retail location that I work at, that I may or may not work at. Um, and they immediately, immediately go over to the area with the um, adult-related products, such as, you know, like tampons, uh, other miscellaneous drugs, like Viagra is over there, um, and of course there's stuff like condoms, pregnancy tests, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm used to this. A lot of times, uh, younger, more immature people will go over to this area of the retail location and they will start to comment on the, the objects that are in this area. But this time was different. There wasn't, sure there was a lot of like commenting, like, <laughs> look guys, Magnum condoms, those might just barely fit me. <laughs> Stuff like that, which is pretty normal, and I can manage with that, you know. You hear that kind of shit working retail all the time. You hear a bunch of idiots doing stuff like that all the time. Um, but, in this particular instance, they did a little bit more than just make funny noises. So, uh, a bunch of middle schoolers, all of these middle schoolers compile their money together and I'm pretty sure this is literally like money that their parents all gave to them to spend on concession stands and food at this dance at the school so this is literally like parents hard-earned money that they gave out to their little kids their little nasty kids to spend on concession stands at a school dance and after this school dance they've decided to leave the dance and come to my retail location and blow the rest of their money on what you may ask? Fucking condoms. These little freaking middle schooler kids, 7th and 8th grade at most, come in here and they start blowing all their money on condoms. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I didn't realize kids were having sex this young nowadays. Um, but good on them for, you know, practicing protective sex and all that shit, you know? Like, safe sex, that's what I meant to say. Um, only they weren't actually going to use the condoms. This was some sort of elaborate gag, um, that ended up costing them collectively on three different packages of condoms. $30 of this small group of young teenagers money that they got from their parents and uh, that's just like $30 wasted because of course what did they do they didn't keep the condoms in case they decided to be horny little teenagers and start fucking everything that moves they literally sat at a table at my retail location that I may or may not work at and started blowing into one end of the condoms and filling them up with air like little balloons that are shaped like penises. And they were like throwing them at each other and they were getting lube all over their hands and doing all sorts of nasty shit like rubbing lube in each other's hair. And it was a fucking disaster. And at this point I was like, oh my god, these kids need to get out of here. But uh, at my particular register location... Um, and I'm working alone, by the way, in case you didn't assume that from this whole situation henceforth. Um, 
I was working alone and I had a huge line of people that I may or may not have been checking out at the register. And all these little kids were sitting over at this table blowing up condoms and popping them and rubbing them all over themselves and all sorts of gross shit. So I was trying to work through my line. Um, And then I remembered one of them bought a fucking pregnancy test. So this kid buys a pregnancy test and he's like, hey, do you have something I can use to open this? Like a pair of scissors or something? I'm like, yeah. Like thinking like, what the fuck? I mean, I guess, you know. So I made the mistake of handing the kid a pair of scissors. And he literally, like, full-on, like, Dwight Schrute during that one episode of The Office where they're doing the CPR training, stabs this box with this pregnancy test, like, straight in the middle of it, making a huge punctured hole, and just, like, fucking rips this box apart to get out this pregnancy test. So then, pregnancy test in hand, all these young teenagers, all these little middle schoolers head into the bathroom of the retail store that I may or may not work at, again, may or may not, um, and they all group together and start peeing on this fucking pregnancy test. This is where the story gets really fucking weird. So they all take turns going into the bathroom and peeing on this pregnancy test, and they're all laughing and having a good time, and they're saying stuff like, oh, oh my god, I'm not pregnant, that's good. (laughs) And they literally pee on this pregnancy test. They're like taking turns going into the bathroom and peeing on this pregnancy test. So I'm just fucking baffled at this point. They're the ones that aren't peeing on the pregnancy test are at the table blowing up condoms and doing all sorts of shit like that. And the rest of them are in the bathroom peeing on a pregnancy test. And all the while they're sitting there talking about fucking chicks having sex with them and like all this nasty, nasty stuff. And of course, at the same time as this dance is going on at the school... Uh, a local business is also hosting a uh, father-daughter sweetheart dance. So there's a bunch of dads and moms coming in with little girls that they were just at their dance, and they're coming in to get some dinner and then head home for the night. And there's just this rowdy group of teenage boys sitting at this fucking table, uh, literally playing with condoms and pregnancy tests. So anyway, after I finish with my line of people, I go over to this table with all these little boys and I say, excuse me, uh, all of you need to pack up your things and get going. You're being way too rowdy and you're making a mess and you're saying way too much profanity and it's making our other customers uncomfortable. And they're all like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, sorry, we're being annoying, sorry, 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 like, they're purposefully, you know, trying to egg me on and try to get a reaction out of me, whatever, I've dealt with it with other customers, so I don't let them have it, but, like, they, you know, they do the whole walk out the door, make a big deal out of it, flipping me off, all this shit, uh, and then when they all clear out, I realize they've left the peed-on pregnancy test on my table. It's literally a table people will eat at sometimes, and these teenage boys have left a pregnancy test they all group peed on 
on my table and I was so grossed out and it was honestly one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me at this job and it set me so far behind tonight and honestly it was just fucking crazy and I've never experienced anything like it in my entire time working at this job so I figured what better to do with all this craziness than share it with you guys here on the podcast so yeah that's the first episode of Hyrulean Gets the Bread. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hopefully I got some more stories to share. I can always go into the backlog. I just got to make sure to keep them obscure enough to the point where I don't get in trouble for sharing them, you know? Um, but yeah, Hyrulean wins the bread. What's up? Alright, it's time for a Switch game recommendation, folks. I'm sitting here in my car just about to go into work, and I thought I'd film this segment real quick. So, this week I'm going to recommend that you try out Streets of Rogue. Streets of Rogue is $15 on the Switch eShop. It's basically an amalgamation of a bunch of different genres of games. It has four-player, co-op, split-screen... And you go through different levels of dungeons, but the dungeons are actually different levels of an underground city. And you wreak havoc and you have different objectives and you get to just have a whole bunch of fun. The game's pretty neat and if you're interested in like a roguelite game that's got some weird shit in it, you should definitely check out Streets of Rogue. $15 on the eShop right now. So yeah, um, anyway guys, that's probably about it for the first episode here of the Switched podcast. Uh, I know this one wasn't really much about the Switch, it kind of had an all-over focus on everything, but in case you couldn't tell, that's going to kind of be the main purpose of this podcast. I'm just going to go on rants about all sorts of shit that I care about and uh, tell stories and have a little fun, um, honestly, I just thought it would be fun to record something, and it, it would give me something to do during my daily commute, so, at this point, it's kind of like take it or leave it, at some point, I want to properly sit down and record, like, some more professional episodes with, like, my actual microphone instead of just my phone, microphone, um, and bring on some guests, uh, I eventually hope to bring on my girlfriend. My girlfriend, uh, one of her main hobbies is uh, learning about serial killers and cold cases and all sorts of stuff like that. And it's really interesting stuff, and I barely know anything about it. So at some point, I'd like to sit down and have an episode with her and, uh, and discuss all sorts of things involving true crime and just really, like take some jabs at the stereotypical true crime podcasts that are dominating the podcast front at the moment. Um, In addition to that, uh, this podcast was originally going to include me and my buddy Ethan, Um, and Ethan is actually on a much different schedule than I am. We've barely talked in the last month or so, so I decided to continue and make the podcast by myself because it was just too much to 
get together with him in a timely manner and match up our schedules well enough to um, record episodes together. But I hope to have him on as a guest in some episode as well. Maybe some of my other buddies too. It'd be nice to bring in some people who aren't necessarily video game people and talk about things that aren't necessarily video games because that's basically all I talk about and all I know about is video games. I'm a bit of a movie buff and I like to think that I'm a bit of a music buff as well. So I'll probably have some episodes about that, but mainly my main thing is video games. That's what I know about. Um, But yeah. This may or may not be uploaded on YouTube at some point, but it's available already on Spotify. Uh, Just search up Switched Podcast, and you should be able to find it just fine if you want to listen to it on Spotify. That's probably my preferred platform. I'm hoping to eventually get it up on Apple Podcasts and a couple other places as well. Um, But yes, here's some other ideas for some episodes I have. Just wanted to jot them down using this little podcast format and I can come back to this segment and re-listen to it uh, to see what ideas I have. So I think it'd be interesting, when I was doing the Hyrulean Wins the Bread segment for this episode, I was talking about the middle schoolers and I had an idea where it'd be fun to tell stories from school. Maybe I could split it up into three episodes, an elementary school stories episode, a middle school stories episode, and then a high school stories episode. Um, that would be interesting. And then I originally thought, like, hey, I could do a, an episode of just stories from work. Because I still have a lot of backlogged stories from work that I've never really talked about in a recording or anything. Um, but then I realized that that'd probably be better just to save for the Hyrulean Wins the Bread segment. So I'm probably not going to do an episode about that. Um... And last night I was hanging out with my friends Keenan and Sam, and I was talking uh, Zelda lore with my friend Keenan because he's never really played any Nintendo games, but he recently borrowed his friend's Switch and played all the way through and beat Breath of the Wild. And he was asking me uh, what the next best game for him to play would be. And so maybe I could do an episode where I talk about, like, Uh, where to start with the Zelda series and talk about some lore elements. Um, Otherwise, I could talk a a whole bunch about my collections. Like, I recently got a pretty substantial piece to my Game Boy collection. I've been trying to track down uh, GB Micro, a Game Boy Micro, and I finally tracked one down. So now I have a Game Boy Micro, and it's fucking sick, but I've collected a whole bunch of crazy shit over the years and maybe it'd be fun to do an episode where I just sit down and talk about all the stuff that I collected and talk about where I got it um but yeah there's tons of ideas floating around in my head nostalgia episodes where I talk about like games that I played when I was a kid and do a retrospective on them stuff like that I've got tons of ideas flowing for this thing and probably for the foreseeable future just so you guys know it's going to be in the car with all this background noise it's just it's the most convenient and fun place to record it for me because when I'm sitting in my car I'm just kind of mindlessly driving and of course I'm paying attention to the road and everything so no worries there but it's just when like my brain kind of clears and I can just think about stuff and start talking you know and 
maybe I can find a way to upgrade the microphone or cut out the background noise. That'll be a project for future episodes, but for now, it seems like it might just be fun to keep recording it in the car. So if it bothers you, um, I noticed if you listen to the podcast with headphones on, the background noise is a lot more noticeable. So maybe try listening with speakers or something. That would be what I would suggest. Otherwise, know that I'm actively going to be working and trying to fix it, make it a little bit better. But yeah, guys, that about does it for the Switch podcast here. Uh, if you've never heard my voice before, this is Hyrulean, a.k.a. DJ. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Hyrulean. Um, and you can check out the Switched podcast on Spotify, probably YouTube at some point, and hopefully more platforms in the future. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a wonderful day. See you later. Bye-bye.